0: Welcome to the Tech Suite, your go-to source for the latest legal updates on the fastest moving sector, brought to you by Minta Allison Rudd-Watts. I'm your host, Susie McMillan, and I'm joined today by Richard Wells, a partner in our technology team, to talk about this great, exciting new world of generative AI. In today's podcast, we'll look at how the use of generative AI has exploded over the last few years, with many organisations now using or at least considering the use of AI within their business. But with the development of rapidly expanding AI tools, um, there are some potentially significant risks for users. And in the privacy space, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner has recently, in June 2023, released some guidance around its expectations around New Zealand agencies using generative AI. Please note that nothing we are discussing today is legal advice. So Richard, let's get started. The OPC has released this guidance setting out their expectations but before we look at those give us an outline around what are some of these key privacy risks when using AI.
1: Thanks Suze, it's good to be talking to everyone again today about this exciting area. AI, it conjures up a whole lot of images in our mind about Big Brother. Have we reached the singularity? And some interesting existential questions. But when we bring it back to a privacy perspective, I think that we need to treat it like any other form of new technology that's emerging. So a lot of the privacy by design principles that we uh, encourage our clients to think about do come into play here. Things like privacy impact assessments uh, before looking at or undertaking use of AI within your business will be really important. But I think there are probably three points that stand out. I suppose the first one is this concept of training the AI. Yeah, you know, In the last couple of months, we've had some quite interesting queries from clients about how they can get access to Information to allow their generative AI to effectively learn. And when you are looking at large data sets that could be inputted into a, um, a large language model or into some sort of generative AI training, you need to be really confident that by placing the data set into that technology environment, that the use of any personal information within that data set is actually able to be used um, in accordance with the AI, and the outputs are also to be used or incorporated in the AI itself. And importantly, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner is advised against using sensitive or confidential data when you're training generative AI models. Understand your data set. I think is the is the first point to to consider.
0: Mm. And on that point Richard as well, yes you're going to be training your own AI in certain circumstances but sometimes you also you know use more off-the-shelf products. You also need to understand where that AI tool has been trained from, what information has been used to train it because if you're using an AI tool that's built in a foreign jurisdiction using data that's not relevant in the New Zealand settings then actually the tool might not be you know appropriate for use in your business so you do have to do a bit of DD around you know what tools you're buying when it's off the shelf as well.
1: Correct and just digging into that even further if we can look at those terms and conditions. Mm. Uh, We have seen examples where, if I can characterise it like a wall, where the data that you're inputting is held on your side of the wall but trains the AI that's sitting on the other side of the wall. But we've also seen scenarios where you provide the data in, it goes across the wall, and it sits with and resides in the AI for now and forevermore. Mm. And in those scenarios really there is a little bit of a concern that your personal information or the personal information of your clients, customers, um, those within your agency, might be retained by a third party and used by them in a way that's not authorised. And finally, there's the point around accuracy of output, and we'll all know what IPP8 says. It requires agencies to take appropriate steps to ensure accuracy. And while generative AI tools can produce a really confident output, if that is based on personal information or does maybe look at conclusions that are drawn on personal information, you should always take that next step to ensure that there is accuracy of the tool's output in a real life scenario. I know that that kind of defeats the purpose of using the AI, but it really is an important check that uh, we think will need to emerge.
0: And on that point, Richard, I guess, yeah, you, you've seen it in the in the media a number of times where people have relied on outputs from AI and got into significant trouble when you know it's incorrect. So there was that lawyer in the US who... You know, made some citations in court, which the AI had actually completely made up. So it looked like an absolute plonker um, in front of a judge. So let's not be that person. <laughs>
1: you say made up. I think the technical term these days is it's called a hallucination yes, that the correct. AI comes up with. So the AI might have hallucinated. So once we've identified these risks, was there guidance given about their or the privacy officers? Expectations around what an organisation that wants to use generative AI tools should actually do to try and minimise that risk?
0: Yes, so I guess the first point here is that the OPC has been quite clear that there is no special rules around using generative AI. It doesn't receive any special treatment under the Privacy Act. You know, our Privacy Act is technology neutral and because it takes that principle-based approach, the normal requirements around collection, use and disclosure of personal information applies equally here to the use of AI tools. Organisations, when they're looking at using one of these tools, have to go through the normal Privacy Act consideration process. If we step through some of those requirements, as you alluded to earlier, the first point of call will obviously be a privacy impact assessment yep. of some description. Um, and in order to do that, you need to do you know your DD on what the tool is, how it's gonna be trained. One of the key considerations that will build into that is actually considering the necessity um, of actually using a tool. So, you know, you don't want to go overboard um, with the need to use AI. So you should always be looking at whether it's actually necessary for your purposes. The other point um, that the Privacy Commissioner recommends is around having that senior leadership oversight and approval. Given the uh, significant privacy risks that can come with using a tool of this nature, you do really need that that senior leadership oversight. So mm. undertaking those privacy impact assessments, reporting up to exec teams and the board, et cetera, so that they understand the risks and can make a good business decision around its use is very important as well.
1: Can I pick up on one? Transparency. I think that's one of the points that we're seeing not only in the privacy space, but also in the consumer space. Transparency is a really big Buzzword. So if you are going to be using this and customer data is going to be incorporated, be transparent about that. The level of that is something that's quite intriguing, isn't it? You could bury it in your privacy policy if you wanted to. If there was a special use case scenario that you needed to um, to put personal information into, maybe it does need uh, a specific call out through a tick box just putting it out there
0: yeah I think and from a best practice perspective I think you should definitely inform customers or clients about where specifically where AI is used to make those automated decisions about the individual. You know, you'll be aware under GDPR, they have a specific provision that says that you have to tell people when you're using automated decision-making technology and they actually have a right to be not subject to that where it will cause, you know, a significant impact on them. So we don't have that equivalent in New Zealand but I think that from a best practice data governance perspective, that you should also kind of apply that in New Zealand. And I don't think, you know, the Privacy Commissioner has gone that far to to recommending we have something in our Act, but one of their recommendations is that, you know, you at least perform those sort of reviews, human um, oversight or reviews on any decision-making. Also, on the other hand, if individuals know that they're being subject to that, then they have the right to be able to question that and say, "Hey, I want a human to look at this. You yeah. know, I've got specific circumstances here. I don't want a machine to make those decisions about me." So, on the transparency point, if you let people know you're using it, then they have the ability to, um, you know, jump in and say, "Hey, I'd like a second review."
1: Yeah, great point. And then I suppose the final point is just checking to be really careful within the terms and conditions as to what precisely is happening with the with the inputs. you provide. Uh, If there is going to be retention of the input by the AI provider then you want to know that um, you have thought about that and probably ensure that you're not putting personal information uh, through because of course that would amount to a capital D disclosure that we've talked about before.
0: Yeah and also I guess IPP9 specifies that you can't you know, retain information for longer than is necessary for the purpose for which you collect it. So there's a real risk here. Once you put personal information into an AI tool, you can't get it back, you mm. can't untrain it. So mm. there's a bit of a conflict there with your obligations and IPP9.
1: So I think we should maybe try to round this out with a few thoughts and observations on the sector and maybe an assessment of where we think this is going next. Overall, I think we'd agree with the Privacy Commissioner's sentiment that it will need to continually review the risks and developments surrounding generative AI in New Zealand as they arise. I think that with any new technology, we often have quite a defensive uh, approach to to wondering how it's going to fit in with our regulatory context so it's it's important that we just balance i think what the regulatory response is with how it's actually playing out in the real world
0: yeah i think you're right richard there's a balance here between you know realizing the potential benefits of ai and acknowledging the risks and i think it's a delicate balance not just from a privacy perspective but there are a number of government departments interested in this space so You know, you've got DIA stats. You know, GCSB. They're all looking at this, and there is some good guidance coming out. But Mm. because everything is rapidly changing, we need to keep up with those changes. So I think it will be across government, and actually, public and private sector need to come together to to look at this.
1: I think that as well, we will need to look at what's happening offshore. Mm. Uh, We are just a small part of the global ecosystem in and around here. And entities like the EU and Australia are already looking to propose legislation around um, and regulating the use of AI. We surely have to try and learn from them, just like we have in the past around privacy in this space.
0: Absolutely, I think you know, the EU's, you know, AI Act will be a, a global game changer, I think, in this space and in Australia has indicated that they will also bring in legislation regarding the use of AI. So no doubt we will follow something similar. Mm. And the OPC has also recently brought out, you know, their consultation um, document around you know whether we need a biometrics code of practice, so not specifically related just to generative AI but a lot of biometric technology relies on the use of AI mm. so I expect that there will be a need for some sort of code of practice just due to the fact that this is quite uncharted territory for a lot of organisations yep. and some further guidance or you know even more than guidance you know that code of practice kind of requirements to recognize this kind of rapidly evolving and complex area is certainly something that I think would be beneficial for New Zealand organizations.
1: I tend to agree and of course coming out of practical uses will also be presented I'm sure with various legal and ethical complexities that we haven't even considered but through the simple tool of a privacy impact assessment we should be able to to deal with all of these so i think our overall message is to organizations and agencies that you have to take a back to basics approach when dealing with even this most modern technology so the fundamental principles of transparency notice, understanding when you're collecting, disclosing, and how you're going to use personal information, they still apply. You just need to put them and frame them in this new context.
0: Yeah, and one of the practical points that, you know, organisations will have to keep up with is if they are using these tools, look at your contractual terms as you alluded to earlier, but also refresh your privacy policies because yep. you might need to update them to reflect this this new uh, tool or whatever you're using. So, (laughs) Suze,
1: thank you so much for your insight and expertise today. It's obviously an ever-evolving area, and we'll make sure to keep our listeners updated as things progress.
0: Yeah, thanks Richard, it's going to be really interesting to see how New Zealand and other jurisdictions navigate you know, the challenges posed by generative AI, particularly on its impact in regard to privacy. So thanks to our listeners today for tuning in. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate, review or follow the Tech Suite wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to receive new episodes directly in your inbox via our website at minterallison.co.nz.